You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Meredith Kane is also with us again today. Plenty of headlines as far as your Cleveland Browns are concerned. Uh, Jadavian Clowney uh, is one of them. Deshaun Watson's got a big week ahead. And we're going to talk about some ownership accountability today, too. But, Daryl, let's start off with the big news of the weekend, especially for folks hoping for a little help on defense. Jadavian Clowney, one year, coming back, uh, what, $11.1 million, something like that, close to it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, you know, just another example of Andrew Barry being really good at his job and also being extremely patient uh, with his job uh, as well. A lot more patient than uh, I think we in the media are, certainly a lot more patient than the fans are. It is something that fans uh, had been hoping would happen for pretty much the entire offseason. A lot of questions as to whether or not he was going to uh, come back ultimately he decides to return on another one-year deal. Uh, I had said all along that that's the structure that Andrew Barry should be looking for. Just because of his injury history, uh, I was reluctant to, to want the Browns to commit m- multiple years uh, of guaranteed money his way. But uh, another one-year contract, uh, around $11 million, so he gets a little bit of a pay bump there. Um, remember last year he signed that one-year deal worth $8 million and he got uh, about another seven hundred and fifty K or so in, in sack incentives was a was really the perfect bookend working opposite Miles Garrett. So uh they get to renew that for twenty twenty two uh and, and and push some of these uh, other unknown quantities at that position down the depth chart. So big weekend for the Browns getting Clowney to agree to terms. Daryl, I, I think that Clowney is a great lesson for Browns fans when we sit around and we talk about What's going to happen? What's not going to happen? I, I think that Jadavian Clowney set the tone in his last press conference saying that, hey, I like Cleveland. I want to be a part of this. Uh, but, you know, business is business, and we'll see what happens. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, we're all in this for money. We're in this for taking care of our families. And I, I like the way that that happened at the end of the season, and I really like the way this thing all played out. In, in fact, the only surprise is that 
Um, and we don't know what the exact terms are, so we don't know when he has got a report or when he's got to be there or when he's going to get veteran days or whatever. But I was kind of surprised that he signed it so early. I, I was I was assuming it was going to come up a little bit later just so he wouldn't have to come to some of these mandatory events that are in Berea just so he can do things on his own time, especially for a veteran that's able to you know kind of control his own destiny a little bit, knowing what his his true value is. And I think as a Browns fan, the fact that we got to chill out a little bit on Genevieve and Clowney. It wasn't no, – no one – I heard anybody that called our show that I talked to that said, oh, my God, we're not going to get Genevieve and Clowney. Are we going to lose Genevieve and Clowney? Or, or what's going to happen with Genevieve and Clowney? I think people were like, well, if he signs with another team, I hope – because it's not, probably not what he was going to get with Cleveland. But it feels like he's going to come back. And it didn't feel like there – like it wasn't the same stress as Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry was like, you got to sign him. we got to bring him back. We need another wide receiver. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, it was over the top. And I think if there was ever a lesson for patience, Jadavian Clowney taught us all this offseason that sometimes you just got to chill and see what happens. Well, I don't know. Why. I, I, I don't understand why fans were stressed over Jarvis Landry. He kept trying to tell you for months he wasn't coming back. So <laughs> I don't know why people were all stressed over that. Whereas with Clowney, I think there right. was false hope. I think there was false hope when when they got to Sean Watson. That's what it was. Yeah. Don't you? It was just yeah. false hope. I, I guess. Um, but, you know, with, with Clowney, yeah, I mean, it was – my thing was if they could get him back, it'd be great. If they don't, then, you know, you, you, you just move on. But, uh, again, uh, Andrew Barry's patience pays off. Now, will that same patience pay off in the Baker Mayfield situation? Well, that remains to be seen. But we have seen – uh, with Barry, that he, you know, he 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 does not uh, react impulsively or emotionally. Uh, he is a a very patient uh, GM, um, and you know this is an example of that patience really paying off today. You know, we'll, we'll put to we'll come to terms whenever you're ready. We'll get this thing knocked out or. Put pen to paper whenever you're ready. You, technically, he doesn't have to report to Bria for another three weeks uh, or so and, until the mandatory minicamp. The OTAs are still part of the, the we put in air quotes, voluntary uh, off-season uh, program. So, uh, you know, we'll see Jadavian in uh, mid-June there for the minicamp at the very latest. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's good that he's back. They needed to bring him back. You know, defensive line. I was, I'm more concerned or was more concerned about the defensive line than I was the receiving core uh, going into the season. But now that they got Clowney back, uh, I'm still worried about the defensive tackles just because there's, there's unknown quantities at that position. Um, you know, I have no idea what Jordan Elliott's going to be able to give them. Or uh, you know Perry and Winfrey, or Tommy Togiai, or uh, Day, or, or Brian, or any like I got no idea what they're gonna have uh, at defensive tackle going into this season. But at least I know the two guys on the end of the defensive line, Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, proven Pro Bowl caliber talent uh, at their respective positions. Uh, and, and two guys that just were absolutely outstanding working off each other. I, I, I said it before, Andy. I, I maintain it. I thought Miles Garrett benefited from having Clowney, and I really felt like Clowney benefited from having Miles Garrett. Well, I also think that you. One thing that 
people forget about when the season starts, and you're going to get injuries, you're going to get guys nicked up, and you're going to want to change things up a little bit. And that also, they picked up Chase Winovich in the offseason, and that gives you depth. And, and you know as well as I know, or any really smart Browns fan knows, that you're only as good as that guy who's behind your starter who could get hurt in the next game. And to have Chase Winovich, a guy who looked like he was going to start until, you know, Jadavion Clowney signed, I mean, he was your he was your plan B. And now plan B truly is a plan B because he can be a backup. He can do what you need to do in that role. It gives you three quality uh, defensive ends. I mean, two Pro Bowl and a quality defensive end, I think, with Chase Winovich. And, you know, we'll see what happens with Alex Wright. You bring in a third rounder and, you know, it gives you a little bit of youth there too as far as the future is concerned. So maybe if Clowney is – if, if Clowney is here for one year and they need to figure out what's going on with the next, maybe you move Alex Wright over to the other side or, you know, whether he plays right or whether, you know, he's not going to play left. But if he plays the right-hand side, then you've got depth as well. So I agree with you with, with Andrew Barry and mapping out a plan, having it. I wonder how confident they were in getting Clowney the whole time. I, I had to believe that they felt like uh, they felt good when the offseason started as far as Clowney is concerned. But I'm also concerned about what you said, that – that interior defensive line scares the you-know-what out of me. I just don't know what we have, and I really hope Perry and Winfrey is as good as he sounds. How's that sound? Yeah, I, I think that's you know fair to say. Uh, you know, to your point uh, about defensive end, now a, a third-round pick instead of uh, you know being third on the depth chart, now he goes to fourth, uh, and he, he gives you more time to. Uh, you know, make sure you can develop him as a rotational player. As we know, Joe Woods uh, likes to to move guys around uh, on that defensive line. But yeah, I, I just I I don't I, look. I mean, Jordan Elliott or you know Perry and Winfrey or uh, you know Sheldon Day or Tommy Togiai. Look, they they may end up being really really good players this year for the Browns it's just right now they're unknown quantities that's that's where the the issue is right you know Elliot limited playing time as a 2020 third round pick um you know you know Perrion's of a, a fourth round pick Togiai is a fourth round pick from uh you know last year so it's just a lot of unknown quantities on the interior uh, of the the defensive line and and I have a feeling that once the season gets going there's going to be a lot of conversation about the run defense not being very good um, but on the flip side of that too this is kind of part of the roster building type thing we, we've talked about where Andrew Barry has made his investments financially and he's made he's made those investments where you're supposed to make those investments right Offensive line, franchise quarterback, number one wide receiver, uh, running backs are taken care of. Uh, on the defense, you, you know, stud defensive end, in this case, two of them, uh, you know, cornerback. Uh, so he spent the money where you expect to spend money as far as the cornerstones of your roster. Uh, and as we saw with this draft, with having nine picks between the third and the seventh rounds this year, you know, those are the outside of Cade York, right? Um, and outside of David Bell, um, even though David Bell, I, I feel like, is a developmental player, but he's higher on the ladder as a developmental player. These are all developmental depth players that they picked. And so, you know, the, the days of 
the draft class holding it down in the starting lineup for the Cleveland Browns are long gone. Um, and that's going to be the philosophy for the next couple of years is they don't have first-round picks following the Deshaun Watson trade is it's going to be draft and developmental classes the next couple years where you're filling in the back end, the depth of the roster, while also at the same time, uh, you know, bringing in guys that you project in maybe a year or two or three develop into those core starting pieces to fill in the gaps of your roster. And we'll get to play the Joe Woods game all season long, too. <laughs> That's always the best part because I love it when the defense struggles one game that the phone lines light up on a Monday with, ah, fire Joe Woods, Joe Woods. I mean, you talk about a love-hate uh, position. It's It's got to be one of the coordinator spots as long as the, as well as the head coach because I, I it was amazing to watch the roller coaster ride last year for, oh, we have the worst defensive coordinator ever. Oh, you know, Joe Woods is a pretty good defensive coordinator, so I can't wait to play that game all season long. No games this week for Deshaun Watson because it is going to be crazy, with especially with this HBO uh, series coming out or HBO interview coming out this week and all kinds of talk about a, a lot of things. So when we come back, we will dive into Deshaun Watson. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're hearing, well, remember to subscribe to it. It's the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can always join in at Game day, CLE. Back on Deshaun Watson next. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. It's always game day in Cleveland. Well, it's always going to be a headline, especially when it comes to the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, and now things are uh, on steroids, I guess. They're gigantic when we talk about our quarterback and we talk about the story itself, not actually a person on steroids, but when we're talking about you know what's going on with Deshaun Watson, it looks like it's going to be another crazy week uh, as far as the court of public opinion and letting people kind of figure out exactly what's going to happen. Plus, there are also stories out there now that uh, maybe we'll have something by next month to know what his – fate will be for this season. I, 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 don't, I don't know how that plays out, but we'll talk about that during this segment. He is Daryl Ryder. I am Andy Baskin. All right, so Daryl, let's just kind of look ahead at the week that is, um, and he's got this interview. Well, it's not him. It's the accusers uh, have an interview on Real Sports, and Soledad O'Brien will do the interview, and uh, I'm sure, and I'm sure the Browns are bracing for what could be a very, very interesting week because – I can't imagine there are going to be too many good things said about Deshaun Watson, what's going on with these 22 civil cases. No, and unfortunately, Deshaun, outside of what he said in his introductory press conference about uh, you know his, him maintaining his innocence and, and, and fighting 
these uh, 22 civil cases uh, until the end in court. Uh, not a lot for him to be able to be said, whereas what we have had is a steady stream of information flowing from these accusers, whether it's uh, excerpts from these depositions, which obviously paint a very creepy picture about Deshaun Watson's alleged behavior, uh, to now uh, these uh, some of these accusers are going to be on camera uh, talking about their alleged experiences with Watson uh, in these massage therapy appointments and his alleged inappropriate behavior. It's not going to be a good week for Deshaun Watson. Nothing good is going to come from these interviews. The, what is leaked from these depositions has not been good uh, for Deshaun Watson in the court of public opinion. Uh, outside of Browns fans, I should say, uh, because I, I got to be honest with you, I'm a little surprised at how fast Browns fans have rallied behind this guy, considering what he's accused of. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, apparently not many have wives and daughters out there, uh, because right now, Deshaun Watson can do no wrong in the eyes of Brown many Browns fans, not all Browns fans, but many Browns fans. And I, I just, I'm shocked at how fast fans have rallied behind him considering what he's accused of. Uh, and, and again, I understand we are in a not guilty and, or, you know, until proven guilty society. These are just accusations. Um, but it's a lot of women. It's a pattern of behavior that is very similar um, as far as what's being alleged against him. And I, I just, I... I, I, I don't think that obviously that uh, video of these women talking about their alleged experiences with him, it's just it's it's not going to go well for Deshaun. Um, I'm anticipating that they will be very emotional in these interviews. I mean, I'm in, obviously anticipating the you know the, 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 they'll probably be crying, which is never. Uh, you know, good to, to watch. I'm expecting the interviews to be very, very impactful. And again, uh, there's not much for Deshaun to say right now to defend himself. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know if I put myself in Deshaun's shoes, how I would even go about trying uh, to defend myself. So right now, when you talk about what he's accused of, it's it, it it's basically a one lane road as far as the information and the allegations go. Um, again, with the, the these depositions, uh, and now uh, some of these women are going to be in front of a camera talking about their experiences, and I, I'm expecting it to be very impactful but very impactful in a very negative way as far as Watson goes. Well, I do think it takes a, uh, I mean, uh, for someone who is being accused to step out into the public and talk about what's going on, I do think that is an unbelievably uh, difficult situation because you have someone who is, you know, accusing, uh, you know, accusing somebody and then taking it to the court of law and then, you know, talking about, things that you normally don't talk about in in general conversation so um i you know the women that will be speaking this week i i mean wow i mean it's it, it, i mean they will shape uh more of the court of public opinion on this and you know i think it's it's a difficult task and i i i don't look at it just as this case 
I look at it as domestic violence across the board and, you know, what this means for, you know, uh, men and women who are being domestically uh, abused and being able to be strong enough to go out and say something. I think that's the first part. And, again, it's men and women who are physically abused. Um, and so I, I just I look at this situation, I always look at the bigger picture because I always wonder about sometimes not the case that you're looking at, but the, 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 the person who is, you know, who is suffering at home that maybe needs a place to go and to say what's going on and try to, you know, rework their own life. So I, I'm always cognizant of, of what's going on in the bigger picture and that stories like this, whether it has to do with the Browns or not, uh, impacts a lot of people, whether they're football fans or not, whether they're sports fans or not. And it's, it's you know, it's uh, in some ways, I you know, if if this story helps someone else too, uh, uh, when um, the accusers step up and, and talk on real sports and help someone else, um, I think it's an important part of our process as far as free speech and being able to, you know, to be able to go out there and try to tell your story. Um, I, I don't foresee this being a very good week for Deshaun Watson at all, if you're looking at it from the other side. Um, and he's probably better off not saying anything other than, I, you know, other than what he has said before. I, I These are false accusations, if that's true. Um, I, you know, what if he comes out and says these are true accusations? Then you're like, well, where does this thing go from there? And what happens as far as that, that situation is concerned? So, um, I, I don't, I, 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 again, I'm numb to the entire story. I've said this a million times because I just want to hear everything. I'm confused about the fact that um, – about the indictments and the fact that they tried to indict him twice and he didn't get indicted. So that, to me, it doesn't – it just – I'm wondering about the due process as far as, you know, what happens there and then you've got the civil side of this and then I wonder what's going to come out of that. And I, I just I, – I just – I just want to absorb information to try to make an intelligent decision. And, yeah, and you know, you know the NFL is going to be. We all make our own. Yeah. Yeah, and you know the NFL is going to be watching this close closely this week. Yes. Uh, this is going to be uh, a piece of their investigation and their, you know, processes too. Um, when you talk about the 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 fact that he's not been criminally charged, I think a lot of that stems from. Uh, you know, lack of uh, evidence, uh, physical evidence, the ability to gain a conviction, the burden of proof in a criminal matter is uh, much steeper for the prosecution than in a civil matter. Um, you know, the, these alleged victims right now, their only course of justice uh, appears to be through the civil court. Uh, and so that is what they're pursuing. My confusion, I certainly understand yours, Andy. My confusion is why did he need this volume of women if it was strictly about massages and medical treatments, which is what he claims? My question is, uh, then why so many women? Why was he uh, trolling for these women on social media to find them? You know, you you are a member of an NFL franchise who has access to top of the line medical care. Now, I understand during the pandemic it was different. So, and this even came up uh, at the end of last season. Uh, John Johnson, safety for the Browns, kind of brought up how he wasn't really thrilled with some of the care 
that was available to the players. And a big reason why is a lot of those specialists that the Browns would normally have in their building to help with physical therapy and things like that, the COVID protocols during the pandemic did not allow them to have those resources available. So, you know, maybe that helps explain part of that. But my understanding in in talking to, uh, you know, current and former players, you know, their attitude is when they find a good provider uh, or therapist, they, they try and stick with that person as much as possible or stick with a couple of them. So, again, my chief question with this whole situation is why on earth are you hitting up these women on Instagram and why on earth did you need over 22 of them? Because, remember, it's only 22 right now, and I, I don't say only lightly there because 22 is a lot. But there's more than 22 women here that he has received treatment from. It's just in, the, in this instance, 22 of them have come forward to allege this misconduct. And again, a lot of the stories seem to match as far as the behavior. And it's, you know, it's my understanding that, you know, the, the, a lot of these women do not know each other. So it's, it doesn't sound on the outside looking in like it's a situation where all these women have conspired to you know, go after Deshaun Watson in a very public fashion. So there's a lot of unanswered questions here. And again, he's presumed innocent. He's, you know, this isn't a criminal matter. It's a civil matter. These are accusations right now. But, you know, the accusations are, are pretty damning. I it just, I, I find it difficult to be able to just brush them off is easily again as I see a lot of Browns fans be able to do like it just this doesn't matter to Browns fans a vast majority of these Browns fans which to me is kind of troubling but uh, I I guess I shouldn't be surprised but um, I I take them very seriously uh, um, and uh, you know I think we're gonna find out just how thorough the Browns investigation was (laughs) you know what I'm saying because yeah, that's a good point. You know, Andrew Barry sat up there and basically vouched for this guy. Andrew Barry basically vouched for this guy. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I'll i be watching like I'm sure a lot of people will. I'm going to have to write about it. I hate, you know, the thing for me is I hate writing about it. I hate talking about it. Because uh, it's, it's very, out of our world. That's why. It's, it's, it's very uncomfortable. It's, why, yeah. it's disgusting. It, it, it's it, appalling. Um, and, you know, I, I quite frankly, I just rather talk football and, and about how great of a football player this guy is and how fun he is to watch and, you know, what he's going to do to change the dynamic of Kevin Stefanski's offense and stuff like that. But until this situation is resolved, which, oh, by the way, is not going to be resolved, Uh, Until next year, again, unless he settles, which he has said he's not going to because from his standpoint, he feels like he has done nothing wrong or nothing inappropriate or nothing to violate a woman. So, uh, you know, it's going to take a long time for this entire thing to to play out. But the problem for him in the in the court of public opinion is everything that is trickling out paints a very grotesque picture about his behavior. 
Um, it, one other point on this, and I just uh, I, going back to the decision, like I, I read a couple stories over the weekend about how this thing might be settled by June. I, I don't know if I'm in the if I'm the well, NFL. As far as the NFL goes. Yeah, as far as the yeah, I'm not talking about the 20s. Sorry, I'm talking about the football part of this. Like, I don't know if I'm the NFL if I'm in a big hurry to make some kind of decision by June. I mean, other than the fact and the, and that they want to talk to him again. Like, what didn't they find out the first time? Or is there some kind of new information that makes them want to go back and talk to him again? Or do they want to talk to him again just to make sure that his story lines up with what he said the first time? Like, I'm still trying to figure out why the NFL needs a secondary interview with Deshaun on this. Well, I have a feeling um, and, that but, they but, knew but, these but, interviews were coming out, too. So now these interviews will air. Then they can go back and so follow So is it by them time? It. It's, it's investigation 101. Yeah, I mean, this, this, is, this is very, very standard. In, you know, law enforcement does the same thing. You know, it's, you, you talk to them uh, once, uh, if more, you know, and then you, you circle back to your point to make sure the story lines up uh, and, you know, remains consistent. And then also, too, as an investigator, your job is to try and poke holes in that story, so to speak, right? To make sure that the person you're speaking with is, is being very truthful to you. I'm not an expert on interrogation, but you know, that's, that's kind of standard practice when you're talking about uh, an investigation. So, um, you know, the, this story is going to come out on Real Sports this week on HBO, uh, like we've talked about, it's. It, I expect that it's going to continue to paint a very unflattering picture as far as the accusations being made against Deshaun Watson. Um, and I think it becomes another piece to the puzzle for the NFL as they go through their process in determining whether or not he violated the conduct policy and they want to levy discipline against him. Yeah, that's true. You know, we don't we, – we tend to talk about the 22 civil cases, but – Really, the, all the NFL has to do is see if he violated the conduct policy. Like, we don't really dive into that. We always look at the bigger picture on that. All right, let's let's uh, let's see how this plays out. I'm sure we'll be talking about it on our next podcast, which drops on Thursday. But before we go today, I want to talk a little bit more about owner accountability. We talk about the players all the time, and there's one story that's making us wonder, is there an owner that could be uh, out, out of the boys club when it comes to NFL owners and, and – uh, and having a franchise. So uh, it's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. We love having you on board. Remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Back with more after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
It's always game day in Cleveland, but we're always talking about whether it's the Browns or the NFL. We're getting you up to speed on what's going on in the world, and we're giving you a little bit of opinion too, and we appreciate yours as well at Game Day CLE. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. Uh, Daryl, let's talk about another subject that came out uh, again this week, although it's been lingering for a while, especially when you've got an owner that might have been putting money aside that maybe should have gone to other teams, which is not always a good look when it comes to the other owners in the NFL. Um, There was a story that came out on Pro Football Talk that said the owners are reportedly counting votes towards a potential ouster of Daniel Snyder from Washington's football team. Um, And it even gave a number that they're trying to get to 24. What's the story here and what's going on? Well, I, look, I mean, Dan, Daniel Snyder has been under fire for years and years and years. And, and when you uh, when you look at the Washington uh, franchise, now the commanders, um, it's just been one scandal after another under his leadership. And owners have turned a blind eye to those scandals. Except now, <laughs> they're not. And the reason, the only reason why they're paying this any attention or taking any of it seriously, not so much that Congress is getting involved, but because their money is involved, that the accusations being made is that Daniel Snyder was operating two sets of books and was allegedly uh, scheming and withholding money from the till, from the, the revenue-sharing pool. That will get billionaires' attention each and every time. So right. uh, alleged sexual harassment, uh, discrimination, uh, toxic work environments, terrible management of the franchise, a stadium that is literally falling apart, that they have had to continuously downsize year by year by year. I mean, I remember when that building opened uh, outside Washington, D.C., they had crowds of 80,000. Now they're taking capacity to below 70,000, right? Uh, right. Th- that not that None of that was good enough to get owners to consider getting rid of this guy, as bad as that is. But the m- moment you start jacking with the books... That's going to get people's attention. And again, these are accusations that have been levied by uh, a former employee. The accusations were made to an oversight committee in Congress. So Congress has kind of gotten themselves involved, not like they have, you know, more important issues to worry about other than the operations of an NFL franchise. Uh, But, you know, the NFL gets a lot of corporate welfare in the form of stadium subsidies and tax breaks and, Stuff like that. The Browns are beneficiaries of that uh, as well. Uh, And Snyder has been looking for a new stadium deal in the D.C. metropolitan area, whether whether that new stadium ends up getting built um, in the actual District of Columbia, whether it ends up in Maryland, uh, you know, the Maryland Stadium Authority, which, of course, uh, runs uh, Oriole Park at Camden Yards, as well as M&T Bank Stadium, the home of the Ravens and the Orioles there in Baltimore. Do they go to uh, Northern Virginia? Uh, There was talk that they put a stadium in one of the richer uh, communities uh, in Northern uh, Virginia in the nation. Uh, And that's, of course, that's where all the, the political lobbyists uh, I guess, reside or, or do their business. But, um, yeah, when, when you're talking about allegedly messing with 
other owner's revenue, they're going to take a look at it. And if they believe that that ultimately was happening, that Daniel Snyder was skimming off the top, yeah, he's he, he's going to get kicked out. <laughs> there, there's no doubt in my mind they will show Daniel Snyder the door. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But it's fascinating to me. All the horrible stuff that has come out about Daniel Snyder in the last 20 years, his owner of the uh, the Washington franchise, uh, you know, the Washington Commanders, previously Washington football team, previously, uh, as as we know, uh, the the Washington Redskins. Um, yeah, it's now this. This is what's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Is going to be uh, the allegation that uh, he was. Uh, you know, operating two sets of books and trying to hide revenue from other NFL owners. That's what's going to get him thrown out. If, Isn't that again, amazing? It, it finds out if, they, if it ultimately ends up being true. We don't know yeah, if it's true. The, it's an allegation. Again, got to right. stress, an allegation. But if it's true, I can guarantee you he's going to get shown the door. Well, <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that it was called the death kneel in uh... – Pro football talk. Meredith, I'd love your take on this here in a second. I just – I wonder, you know, how owners look at other owners when they go to ouster them because I think it's hard for an owner to want to ouster another owner when they know they've got to look in the mirror. And then Never, never mess story. with my money. Never mess with my money. That's the only thing that matters here, Andy. It, it's not about any of these other scandals that have uh, transpired, okay? this This is cold, hard math to these owners and that is you know as long as long as you're an uh an equitable partner in the league right you are generating revenue for the league that we all get to share in the wealth and the prosperity it's part of the reason why uh we ended up with the Haslam's here in Cleveland to replace uh the Lerner family or the Lerner family trust whatever the the actual legal thing you know Randy Lerner was not uh all that invested in no. uh, generating all this new, helping the league generate all this new money here in Cleveland. Then the Haslam's come in. One of the first things they do is they get the stadium renovated, right? Um, granted, they uh, privately finance the bulk of that do the, the 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 naming rights they did with uh, you know First Energy to cover a lot of the cost. They ended up getting some money from the city of Cleveland because, of course, the city of Cleveland actually owns the building. But that was one of the first things they did was, you know, get some money put into the stadium, which, you know, the Lerner family just really wasn't all that interested in doing. Well, they um, were when, when – backtrack on that because when Al was there, when Al owned the team, I think he was. I mean, there were little things that I think fans didn't even know that – the learners were paying for, including. I'm, I'm just thinking of one little thing: the escalators that were. Well, yeah. Uh, dumb. I mean, Al, he had to I, cover I just, all. I, he, yeah, I mean, look, yeah. the stadium was built half, you know, whated to begin oh, with. It was a mistake. Okay. The whole thing's a mistake. I mean, can we be honest? That stadium should never be there. That stadium oh, needs to be on the other side of the uh, the inner belt, alongside 77 before 490. That's where that thing should be. There's plenty of. Uh, there's plenty of space there. We would have had a whole sports uh, area between, you know, football, baseball, and basketball or hockey or whatever. I mean, all those venues should be near each other. That real estate where that stadium sits right now is a complete waste of real estate. And I'll argue till I'm blue in the face 
that they need to put a roof, a retractable roof on that thing so we can use it for things other than football. Go right. look at every other city. Go look at Indianapolis. Well, Go we're look going at places do, like that. It drives me crazy. We're going to do a stadium podcast here uh, sometime this summer. Uh, okay. Because I've been looking into a lot of stuff regarding the future of where the Cleveland Browns are going to be able to play football, and um, it, it it's it's going to be interesting to see. They've already begun the process behind the scenes of evaluating their options, but um, it, it, so it, it, we'll do an entire podcast on stadiums and financing. I'll say this, Cleveland has gotten off easy compared to other cities. Uh, you know, there I right. know there was, as the Cavaliers were going through their process for the, the transformation of Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, there was a opposition to more public money going into the building. Uh, ended up being around 70, 75 million in public money uh, up front going into that project. The Guardians got around $200 million uh, uh, to uh, renovate Progressive Field. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, y'all got a discount because when the Browns come calling, it's not going to be for 100 or $150 million. It's going to start with a B. It's going to start with billion because that's what these new buildings cost. And again, we'll get into it in a later podcast. But a new stadium for the Browns not only is going to be a necessity, but it's going to be very, very, very expensive, especially if you want a roof on that thing, Andy. So we'll, we'll talk about that down the road. But, you know, back yeah, to – Yeah, I'm looking the, forward to it. Uh, yeah, back well, to I – still, I still want – just quickly, Meredith, I want your take on that Beltway thing because I think you're closer to it than we are about what's going on in Washington, just knowing that area and knowing what – what fans – like, I feel bad for Washington football fan. They're diehard. I think they're great fans. And I think they've been – you know, they've been handed a pile of you-know-what for the last couple of years. Kind of like Browns fans. Yeah. I mean, this has been 12 to 15 years in the making, minimum. Uh, right. I think the threads around Dan Snyder started unraveling around 2010. Uh, that's the earliest in my memory where people were really, really starting to get frustrated with him. And it's just every year there has been something else building from there was season ticket issues. I want to say around 2013, 2014, where season ticket holders were unable to transfer their tickets. Like if they couldn't make a game and they wanted to sell their game to somebody, there was something within the season ticket office saying that they weren't allowed to transfer their tickets, period. So if you couldn't go to a game you know, you were out that amount of money. So there were things like that. There were things with Dan Snyder trying to put his influence on the team. I don't think anyone was really happy about the drafting of RG3. And that was a, that was a Dan Snyder move. So it's just all of this stuff has been so long coming. And I think Washington football fans, myself included, have just been waiting for the one thing, for that thing, the straw that was going to break the camel's back, because every year it has been increasingly frustrating, more and more. And then finally, and I'm, you know, I, I'm disappointed that some of the other scandals that have come out in the past five years weren't really what did him in. But yeah, the minute we all saw that he was allegedly messing with the books, that's, 
that was going to be his downfall. I think we all kind of had that feeling. So this has been a very long and frustrating road for Washington football fans. I remember arguing with some of my Cleveland Browns fans when I was still living in D.C. and we were trying to argue which franchise was more embarrassing, which franchise was more frustrating. <laughs> and I always said, and I always said, and this was probably around 2014, 2015, I think. And I said, the worst thing the Cleveland Browns do is lose. I would rather have a team that just loses than a team with all of the issues <laughs> surrounding the way it has been with Dan Snyder. And obviously things have changed since then. But yeah, at the time I was like, the worst thing the Cleveland Browns do is lose. So I just, I am waiting with bated breath to see if the owners can get the 24 votes needed to oust him. Uh, I don't know who would take over the team. I don't know how much he would sell it for, but for for Washington fans, we have been waiting for this for a very long time. Better to have the stadium in D.C. or Northern Virginia or, so, or, or towards Northern Virginia. What do you think? It's hard because there's not a lot of real estate in D.C., but you've seen successful stadiums like uh, RFK and now Audi Field, which is where uh, D.C. United plays and the Nationals play downtown as well. Right. The Capitals do. I mean, every Washington-based franchise plays in D.C. except for the football team. Uh, there's not a lot of real estate, but it's possible. I think one of the hard parts about having the stadium out in the suburbs is it can be really difficult to get to depending on where it is. So for right now, it's in Landover, Maryland, which is really difficult for people who are, say, in Virginia to get to. Even harder for people who are in D.C. because there's no public transportation nearby. You have to you know, take a metro to a point, and then you've right. got another two to three mile shuttle ride before you get there. So... It's a really interesting conundrum that the Washington football team is in because downtown is central to where the fans are. But if you put it in a place where you have more real estate, like, say, Ashburn, Virginia, which right. is where the training facilities are, Ashburn, Virginia is really far out there. That's like an hour or more outside of D.C. So if you're living in, say, Chevy Chase, Maryland, and you right. want to go to to a football game and you're not going to drive to Ashburn that's just that is a long drive so I that's think that's the equivalent of having the Browns move to Canton Ohio yeah exactly exactly right. so it it's really difficult I mean personally I would love to see it downtown I know that the DC mayor or at least I'm pretty sure the DC mayor doesn't want that stadium anywhere near <laughs> the District of Columbia as long as Dan Snyder owns the team so maybe if Dan Snyder is forced to sell then D.C. might actually open up and say, okay, yeah, go ahead, build a new football stadium here. We want it. Yeah, they can demolish RFK and just put it on that site. But, the, the, again, the opposition, hit, like you, you were talking about, has been Daniel Snyder. And that's the other part of this. If Snyder and these scandals, uh, you know, if it's preventing the league from getting more corporate welfare in the form of stadium subsidy – um, you know, that, again, goes to money. That's what gets you in trouble with NFL owners is money. It not Everything else is can be brushed under the rug. We have seen that time and time again, but it's money. I would probably say that the situation in Carolina uh, with Richardson, when he got ousted over uh, the workplace, the toxic workplace environment uh, and the alleged racism, uh, that took place like that was out of the ordinary because typically for NFL owners, it's usually only money gets you thrown out of the good old boys club. And in that case, they made an ex and in that case, they made an exception. 
But, um, yeah, if they find that Snyder's been messing with the books and they find that all of this stuff is preventing them from getting more free corporate uh, money uh, from uh, the taxpayers for a new stadium there in D.C., yeah, I, I could absolutely see them eventually showing uh, Daniel Snyder uh, the door and then, uh, you know, Washington can finally get uh, that new stadium that they've been trying to build. And the sad thing is the, the one they play in isn't that old. I believe it's around no. the it's around the age of uh, first energy stadium. It was opened, uh, you know, in, his, in the late 90s there. Um, but it just, you see all the videos on social media of just what a dump it is. Nashville, Tennessee, uh, with the Titans, their stadium is in, uh, disrepair. Saw some photos and video of that over the weekend. Buffalo's going to get a new stadium. They got nearly a billion dollars in taxpayer money. So yeah, we're going to do a whole stadium podcast. We might even do like a whole series of stadium podcasts because there's so much, uh, to talk about and what goes on behind the scenes and putting these type of stadium deals together, getting the things built, maintaining them, all those type of things. But uh, the Browns are going to be on the clock here. They're about to hit the on-deck circle as far as needing a new stadium. And, yes, the city of Cleveland, Cuyahoga County, and state of Ohio, prepare to grab the checkbook because you're going to have to pay up. He is Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin, and this is It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. We always appreciate you listening. Our show is produced today by Meredith Kane. If you like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe to the It's Always Game Day in Cleveland feed. You can always join in at Game Day CLE. And remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. <laughs>